We are uh, on the air with Killing the Business Worldwide. After last night's episode, I'm surprised that I'm not shut down because it was a lot of F-words flying left to right. But oh. that was yesterday. And this is tonight, nevertheless. And this is your main event of the evening with the 60-minute time limit. The man in charge of this episode is your host, Vic Muscat. We have always, coming on weekly, our friend Mad Mex. How you doing, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. And today our guest, third time he's back on. I must have made a great impression on him the first two times. Oh, the yeah. very talented author, actor, and horror expert, Ronnie Angel. How you doing, sir? Thank you so much for the awesome introduction. I'm doing great, man. How are you holding up? Uh, I'm a whole hell of a lot better than I was a couple weeks ago. Jesus Christ. Oh, no lie. Yeah, no kidding, man. I'm glad you're feeling better. Definitely. Yeah, Mexico was to, my wife or him message each other and she told him to download. So he knows how sick I really was and it wasn't good. Definitely, man. I mean, he was like this right now. And I was waiting for him to give me the message for who we had that coming up that week. And he's like, dude, we're going to have to cancel. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm sicker than a dog. And then that was it. Didn't hear anything from him after that. I messaged his wife. I said, how's he doing? He goes, he feels like he's dead. He's not moving. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was in a, he was gone for a whole month. We did not do a podcast. Not do anything. Wow. Well, I'm glad to see that you're doing better, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And Nick knows that. It has to be a hell of a reason for me to cancel a show. Definitely. Not the three weeks worth of shows I had to wipe off. It was just. Oh, I get it. I completely get it. <clears throat> no worries, man. So what have you been up to these days? I see that you're doing some acting here and there. Yeah, yeah, I have been. I've, I've been keeping pretty busy, actually. I um, just got done filming okay. a movie called clowny and wow. can you yeah, come here, got, please uh-oh it's his technical for <laughs> oh geez but anyways so what's the clowny about clowny is a movie that's directed by joseph kelly and he's the one who made movies like clown motel mm -hmm. and just put out the second one too so it's um something along those lines and it has to do with a killer doll and I got to play uh, one of the officers and act alongside Al Burke. So that was really fun being on the set and just hanging with Al Burke, sharing wrestling stories. It was just a great time all around. See, that's the one thing I don't like watching clowns and like little dolls. I don't like that. <laughs> now that child's play was different for me for some reason. I don't, I don't understand. But it's just dolls and clowns. I don't. Well, you might have a difficult time getting through it then. Oh, I would still do watch it just to see how scared I get. Oh, hell yeah. Of course. And also, you'll be in it. So, of course, I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Man. I... That was fun. It was just a fun shoot all around. Hey, um, what's going on with the uh, world of books with you? I actually just finished a screenplay 
And I didn't know how long it was going to be. And when I finally read the, the page count, it was roughly 150 pages. And <laughs> like every, everybody that I have shown it to has um, given me some great feedback. And I've had people actually tell me that it's not just good. This is like award-winning good. So that is something I really love to hear. I just awesome. got to get it in the hands of the right people. Awesome. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Yes. It's it, all, all about finding the right people. I hear you there. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that's never been done before. It's um, something that people don't talk about. And it's a, a part of history. And um, there, there's a lot to it. There's um, a lot of racism. And it's um, on the Navajo reservation. So a lot of it is stuff that really hasn't been touched upon at all. And I had um, the true story as my blueprint to, um, so I, I kind of put all that in there, but I also made up my own characters and built story around it. So um, man, I just went to town on that one. And me with my OCD, I had to go back, you know, 10 times and read over it and change things and make things make a little bit more you're talking about OCD, man. My wife has it and oh my God, it drives me crazy. She'll go to yeah. the bathroom and she, she comes back like 45 minutes or an hour later. She, Bathroom's clean. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? You just went, to, you were supposed to go to the bathroom and twinkle, you know, tinkle. What the heck? But that's the way she is. <laughs> oh yeah i know how it is you know and uh, obsessively going over things mm -hmm. again and again just to make sure it gets right so i think in the businesses that i'm in that is a good thing i mean it's probably kind of annoying to some people but it is definitely a good thing i have a good attention to detail whether it be from writing or wrestling or acting pretty much everything is like that for me have people got a problem that they can go jump off a cliff <laughs> yeah it just means that i put a lot of thought into everything uh, i usually just say tell them to go f off but it's like i used that word so many times last night and wasn't just <laughs> uh, oh i don't uh, mind uh, oh no i'm just i'm exhausted it bores me now <laughs> that, that's what it is i'm just all f'd out <laughs> So for now, anyways. For now, anyways, yeah. How's the injury going? Because you were many from an injury last time you were on. Yeah, it's been going a lot better lately. And like I, I was on the crutches for a while. And then I was just wearing a knee brace. And a few weeks ago, I basically forced myself to not wear the brace anymore. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I've been getting around like that. And um. I've been doing pretty good, actually. Like this weekend, we walked around Vegas from the Paris all the way back to the Luxor, which is um, that's good. not a short walk. It's a good hike, especially with all the people around. Yeah. It. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a stop, go, stop, go. And yeah, that well, would definitely be worth it. Yeah. And it's funny because where the Luxor is, that's kind of a quieter part of the strip. So, by the time that we got back into that area, let's say maybe the Excalibur, 
-hmm. then I, I was so done with people, man. I was so thankful just to be in a quieter area of Vegas. Do you drink or gamble there? A little bit of both. I, Got you. I don't gamble too much though. I I'm one of those people where I'll put 20 bucks in the slot machine <laughs> and I'll make it last. And if I do happen to get some money, like um, I think I walked out with 60 bucks, which is yay. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, that's a good thing for me because I never win anything. So I was happy with it. There you go. And luxury. It's, it's funny about the luxury site. The other side of the strip, it can be hot as hell, and you have to walk from casino to casino to casino to go to the bars. But the luxury yep. is like three, like two other casinos attached to it. So you can go one side, like a Stuart Scalper, and the luxury in Manila Bay. Yep. Get all the bars there, get drunk as hell. It's just, I like that. Yeah. One of my favorite parts is just um, because at the bar, the, the drinks are insanely expensive. Oh, and yeah. I even had one person, I, I think a beer was like 16 bucks. And I said something and he said, yeah, welcome to Vegas, buddy. <laughs> so I was just like, well, screw this. I'm going to go to the liquor store and just walk around with whatever I get. Yeah. It's like cheap to get out there. But then when they get you there, it's boom, $16 for a beer. I remember they, I haven't been there for like eight, nine years, but it was like $16 for a mixed drink. Yeah. I was like a speed rack drink. Well, and the thing that I have to laugh about, because I, I know how the trick is, mm -hmm. when I see the people walking around, you know, with those giant, like, yard drinks, and it's already pre-mixed, and I've had two of those before in a row, and I didn't even get a buzz, and those things are like, what, 30 bucks each? So I, I learned quick not to do that. Yeah, but you can just you can say it, you did it. Yeah, yeah, you did it. You know, it's like so. It's like, all right, you did it once. It wasn't good, but you can say I did it. So eh, yeah, people say exactly. It's a life experience. So you were writing a third book last time you were on. Yes. What happened yeah. to that project? I'm actually still working on it, and that's the one about my dad's experience in the funeral business. So I, I did all the interviews already with him. So it's just a matter of uh, transcribing it. And I also decided to interview my mom mm -hmm. and interview my oldest brother because they have a lot of stories as well from working within the funeral business with my dad. So all in all, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm also sharing some of my own stories in there. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty well-rounded book. And I've actually set a, a sequence for myself that I'm going to try to have it done by October so I could get my Indiegogo campaign off the ground. And then I'm going to try to have it released by January and have the book signing up here in Burbank. Very cool. No, it's just like you had the screenplay and you had, then you had that movie gig. Of course, the third book's going to be pushed back because all these other projects that pop. Were these projects, did you expect these projects to happen when you got injured or was it something that like came up, fell in your lap while you were injured? It's, it's just something that kind of fell in my lap. Like 
it, it was already things that I've been working on, mm-hmm. but due to the injury, I um got some motivation for it. So I've been just like steamrolling through everything right now. In fact, as soon as I get done with this podcast, I'm actually going to go and um do some more writing for a couple hours. There you go. That's like that's right. That's right. It's at four o'clock there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I got time. Yes. Now, who was the producer that you're that you starred in the movie? Or the... the producer for um Clowny. Yeah. You know what? There were so many people on the set for that one, and I'm sure I met a few producers. Um, I actually know one for sure that I met, but there's so many people on the set. Like, sometimes you forget who certain people are. Yeah. Like, I I know the director, uh, Joseph Kelly, and my castmates, and then get to know some of the people, like, some of the sound people and things like that. I was trying to figure out his name because it sounds familiar. I did an independent movie called Captain Jackson. And uh, it it was... uh, the plot was that the the this one guy uh, stole cocaine from uh, the dealer, and the dealer was a vampire. So oh, he wow! He, and he thought he killed him, and they wanted midgets on there, so they're like, "Hey, mix, you know, I got a flight for you." I'm like, "What?" You know, and they're like, "Got a flight for you?" I said, "Dude, I don't fly. I've never flown." Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got yours out here and all. And uh, thank you, sweetheart. He goes, uh, come to Cali. I'm like, okay. So I flew that time, you know, and he goes, okay, this is what you're going to have to do. And I'm like, all right. So I had to stick my nose in a pile of white powder. And I had to, I had to bring up you know, I had to inhale it and then shoot it out of my nose. And when I when I get up like this and I threw it out, they put uh, um, Salem lot Salem slot uh, vampire teeth in me. And oh, cool! So when I went, ah, and I went, opened my eyes. My eyes turned uh, black, and I had those fangs. And I got up and ran off. You know, and they're like, "Man, that was awesome!" I'm like. Okay, so I mean, the name sounds familiar. That's why I was asking if he may have done it. I don't know. I like you said, so many directors, so many producers, and everything on the site. You don't know who you're talking to, so I I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's how it usually is on these sets. Like, um, I just did a music video for Lords of Acid, and it, it was a fun shoot. But um, there was a lot of people on that set. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you're doing your thing in front of the camera. And then on the opposite side of the camera, there's like 15, 20 people yeah. just hanging you're, around. You're doing your scene. There's like four or five and you got like 25 people behind the scenes, you know, you know, doing with the lights and getting with the sound effects and all. So, I, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fun though. Yeah, it's a lot definitely. of fun. I was gonna say you guys go to do movies with a lot of producers. I'm doing a podcast by myself. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't feel there's nothing wrong here. 
Wait a second here. Am I supposed to have a producer here? <laughs> get yourself a crew, man. Anytime I try to get myself a crew, they flake out, but that's all right. Nah, you don't need them. You're doing great without them. Yeah, I got um, Impact Wrestling is going to give me some talent to come on. Really? That's pretty cool. But it's like, there's, of course, terms and conditions. Like, one of which is um, it has to be for, like, 20 minutes sh- interviews. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Fine, I'll take whatever. You know, he's also, last podcast that we weren't sure about, who we gave the benefit of doubt to, right away opened about, hey, did you see the Ring of Honor pay-per-view? And they're like, don't do that. Just keep other promotions out of this. Da, da, da. And I was like, who the heck would do that? Oh, wow. Like maybe, you know, near the end of the show, when we start shooting the shit and the flow's going, you know, we talk. But no, it's about them. Who the, who the hell did that? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like um, that one of the things that I wasn't really into when I was doing my interviews was um, people that would give, you know, like very short answers. And I, I would try to, you know, keep it rolling and elaborate on different things. So that, that's when you get the best material, I think. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because it makes a very short episode when it's just like, yes, headlock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I totally feel that. Uh, don't you hate that, Max? Definitely. So your paranormal experience, uh, it's, have you just studied on it or have you like actually done investigations or? Um, a little bit of both is funny because, um, whenever I travel somewhere, I deliberately try to go to some of these places like, um, uh, for example, um, say San Diego. And in San Diego, you've got um, the Whaley House in yep. Old Town. Down yep. the street is the old cemetery. There's a lot of stories there. Um, there's a big mansion up on the hill. Um, Mont- Montezuma, I believe. Some- something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But And then I, I just took a trip up to um, Oregon, just vacation. And we stayed at the old Kennedy School which is um, this giant, massive, old school that um, was shut down. It was abandoned. And they, they bought it out and made it into like this giant hotel and with several bars, several restaurants, even as a movie theater and everything. But um, there was a lot of history there. And even walking down the halls, like you're looking at some of these paintings, like, you know, doing a double take. Just like, uh, did they just try to find the creepiest paintings in the world to put here deliberately? <laughs> yeah, so every time I travel, I, I go to places like that. So why do houses become haunted? Like, Well, a lot of it has to do with um, like the history of it, like things that happen there. Um, something stays, you know, like uh, think about Villisca, Iowa. That was the, the site of the axe murders back in the early 19, yeah, 1900s. And I can't remember exactly how many people got killed there, but um, it definitely led a mark. 
And it was one of those things where now it's one of the most infamous spots in the country. And a lot of the paranormal people come out there. It's been on TV episodes. So a lot of it has to do with just like a, a history to it. Like something happens um, violently, usually. And then there's me. And I've lived at places where it's a brand new place, but there's still something there. And I, I've talked with my brothers about this and we all are on the same page that we think it's because of the business that my dad does, the funeral business. So we think that some of it has kind of stayed with us over the years. And um, we've had a lot of weird experiences over the years. Like, what are some of the experiences that you can recall? Well, one of the things that was interesting when I was writing the, the book is my, bro- my oldest brother, Joey, he has a lot of stories like that. Like, when we were in Farmington, New Mexico, we lived right off of um, the funeral home that my dad worked at. Like, literally, like, it, they were all connected and everything. And I remember that he built a room for my brother kind of in like the, the driveway, put a lot of work into it and it turned out really nice. But there was always, my brother would tell me about the room because there's like, um, like stained glass. They couldn't really see through that well, but if you looked really close, you could tell that there's a room back there. There's things in this room. It's a pretty good sized room, mm-hmm. but is completely sealed off so there is no way to get in that room um we never knew what the hell was in there but when i was doing the interview with him he was telling me that um he would hear like voices calling his name in the middle of the night and at first he thought it was um me or my other brother messing with them and it would happen while we were out of town too so huh. he would yeah yeah and um He's talking about like hearing a little kid like running through the room at night, just um, a lot of creepy stuff. And when another story that he told me was that when he was helping my dad out on the Navajo reservation, that some old woman, like a grandmother, I guess didn't like him for whatever reason, and said some things to him in Navajo. And he's saying it's just the weirdest thing, you know, like sunny day, all of a sudden it gets cloudy, it gets dark, like wind was blowing and he got sicker than he's ever been in his life. Like, uh, I didn't know this until he told me a few weeks ago that he was so sick, he could barely even crawl to the bathroom. And this went on for several weeks. So things like that, that, that really makes you believe in certain things. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I don't know how I don't know how I would react though. It, it's funny because um, my whole life I've had things like that. Like looking back, I've lived in three different funeral homes during my lifetime, and each time there's always something there. Like um, the last one I lived in was in Everett, Washington, and there wasn't really anything that happened to me there, but I, I had a apartment down below 
and is um right on the other side of the cremation room. <laughs> so I I was comfortable there and just got kind of used to it. But my dad had the apartment upstairs for a while. And he was telling me that there's a locked door at the bottom of the stairs. It locks from the inside. And up the stairs, there was another door right there that he would keep locked. And there's a, they would tell us about like the spirit there named Chester that hung around. And like, there's a few nights he said that he'd be dead asleep. And then he hears somebody pounding on the door to the apartment, which is impossible to get to because the one downstairs is locked. So he had a lot of stories like that. And I remember spending the night at his house one time or at the apartment. And I, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I was reading the newspaper and I saw an article that said that the original house on Haunted Hill was up for sale. And I said, oh, this is crazy. Dad, check it out. And I started to tell him about it. And I heard a door slam. And I literally like, well, what's on TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I'd say the worst one I ever lived in was in central Washington. It's a town called Wenatchee. And we were living in a house that was three stories tall. And down in the basement, I mean, it looked like straight out of a horror movie, the stairs leading down there. And I remember when we first moved in there, we would hear, my mom still talks about it. We'd hear music playing at night. And I would go out the front door, listen. There's nothing. I'd go out the back door, I'd listen. Nothing. And then I realized it was coming from down in the basement. But, you know, like two in the morning, three in the morning, I sure as hell am not going to go <laughs> investigate something like that. But um, oh, yeah, it. it was funny. We, um, the basement had a pit area with a drain in the middle. So it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out, you know, what that was used for back when it was part of the funeral home. And I remember, God, my brother was doing laundry there and a window broke. Um, and he's the only one there. I had a band at the time. And I, I distinctly remember we we're, we we're doing a jam session above the pit area. You know, everybody was set up around it. And I was walking towards my guitar player and he just stopped. And I was like, why are you stopping? And he just went like that. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I turned and the door I had just walked past, apparently it opened while I was walking by it. So a lot of people had a lot of different experiences in that house. And the, the main one that literally everybody in the family saw at one point, um, we referred to her as the lady. And kind of like um, wearing a Victorian dress, had her hair up in a bun. I still remember that distinctly because um, I, I know that my brother saw her a few times. My mom, um, my dad didn't believe in ghosts, actually, until one night when he was um, sleeping. He said he woke up and there's a woman standing by the window asking, like, um, 
something along the lines of um, what's with this young man from Issaquah? I don't like him very much. And my brother was visiting from Issaquah and he got locked out of his room when he went to the bathroom that night. So yeah, yeah. As far as the lady goes, uh, yeah, we all have stories. Like I didn't, I didn't believe in it actually at first. And then my, my ex-wife, she was with us at the time and she would talk about how scared she was of this lady. And I was like, yeah, right. Whatever. You guys are nuts. And I actually heard something in my room one night. It woke me up and I looked and swear to God, there she was standing right at the foot of the bed. And I actually pulled the sheets over my head and I just said, nope, nope, not going to deal with this. <laughs> not tonight. But, I'll see it later. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, God, I remember, you know, sitting, watching TV and you hear footsteps and call out and nobody's there. Um, a couple windows broke. There was, um, we had a cat there who would like run down the hallway and, like she ran into some invisible fence and would just like freak out and do like a flip and then run back down the hallway. Um, God, we heard the, um, the horn on the hearse going off one night, me and my dad went to investigate and it was a constant honk. And we found out that the seat was forward up against the, the horn. And it's crazy because that used to be used as a carriage house in the early 1900s. And there's a little apartment right above it. And I would invite my friends over. We'd sit in the hot tub out in the courtyard and I'd ask them like, Hey, can you tell me what the window is doing right now? And they would think it's weird. And they'd look and they're like, yeah, it's closed. Why? Oh, nothing. And then like half hour later, Hey, can you uh, tell me what the window looks like right now? And they look at it and they're like, it's open. What the hell is up there? Are you trying to play some kind of trick on me? But no, I, I wasn't. It would open, it would close. And you were um, there all that time right there with them? Yeah, yeah, I was right oh. there with them. <laughs> um, I remember the, the actual funeral home across the driveway. I would go up, um, you know, early 2000s. So... I would go across the funeral home, up the stairs, print something out on the computer up there, walk back down and then back across. And I had two things happen when I did that. Um, one was, and this is like straight up poltergeist, man. The chairs were on either side in a visiting area, right? And when I came back down the stairs, maybe five, 10 minutes later, the chairs we're now in the middle of the hallway. I have no idea what the hell happened. Yeah, creepy, right? Yeah, it's creepy. But my, I have two friends too. That um, one is my old tag partner, Danny Nightmare, and um, if you ever have him on, he could tell you all about it. That he was passed out drunk downstairs in the basement one night which is um, ballsier than me. <laughs> but what happened was um, he said that he, he woke up and like a little girl was talking to him 
and saying, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be very sad. And he even told me about it before any of us turned on the TV, before anything. He was just telling me like how weird it was. We didn't know anything else that was happening. And turn on the news a little bit later and we hear Dimebag Daryl got killed from Pantera, which is one of our favorite bands. Yeah. So they ain't jumping the stage, Jimmy. What's that? How how did he pass away again? He, a fan a fan jumped on the stage or it was a nightclub? Yeah, a fan jumped on the stage and shot him. And so it was weird that Danny was hearing this, you know, the the night before we found out anything happened. And I mean, neither of us had cell phones at the time. So it was kind of hard to figure out. But um, I, I got to tell you, the, the single scariest thing that ever happened in that house was I had a friend back then, Dino, still friends to this day on Facebook, talk every now and then. But he was crashed out on the couch and he left in the middle of the night. Didn't tell me, didn't tell anybody. And even though he's hammered, he drove home. And I, I would ask him, like, dude, why did that happen? And he would never tell me. And then I finally got it out of him. And it's still, like, one of the scariest things I've ever heard. He said when he was passed out on the couch, he heard a noise. So he turned. And there's, like, the entrance way here. And then into the living room. And there's a big fireplace right here. And the rest of the living room. And he said a woman... He didn't even know about our stories. A woman in old Victorian dress with her hair up in a bun walked into the room. Shit, I'm getting goosebumps from telling this. <laughs> but um, she walked into the room, walked in front of the fireplace and had her nails up on the mantle, scraping them across the mantle while looking at him the entire time. Like, didn't break eye contact. That's poison. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't hear that story for a long time because I just thought it was weird that he left in the middle of the night. And then after that, he refused to stay the night at my house anymore. So I was like, what the hell is going on, dude? (laughs) What did I do? (laughs) But yeah, that, that one always scared me the most, for sure. I won't even get into the whole... Ouija story you but go, um go right ahead if you want oh god um well when I was talking to my brother for that interview recently um he brought up that when he woke up the one time because my now ex-wife was screaming in the middle of the night and yelling like who are you where's my husband and the story behind that goes is that one of my friends was huge into like witchcraft and Ouija and a lot of different things. So he brought a Ouija board with him and my God, this guy went all out. Like he even brought like the black candles and everything. So we're sitting in the pit area in the basement at like midnight with the candles lit and everything. Um, and I remember asking like, who's there, whatever. And one of my friends just died a year earlier. 
so I was asking questions to this supposedly my old friend. And some of the questions were like, oh, uh, what bar did we used to hang out at? And then it went around and it spelled out pastime. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, what kind of beer did you drink? And then H-A-M-M-S. And I said, that was your favorite beer? You always were a cheap bastard. And then it spelled out F-U-C-K-O-F-F-T-C. I turned to my friend. I'm like, that's him. That is exactly something that he would have said. Because we, we're always fucking around with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So that, and then I said, um, well, where are you right now? And it said, next room. So I got up. I went to the next room. I'm like, yeah, I don't see anything. So I went back to the, the board, and I was asking, like, okay, you said you're in the next room. I didn't see you. Where are you? And it said, turn on TV. So I was like, okay. And I went over there, turned on the TV, and it was just static. And I was like, nah, I've seen white noise. Nope. There's no way in hell this is happening. So I just turned off the TV. <laughs> and I, I went back there, and it, it started getting really creepy because my friend, like I said, he's so into it. And the candles, the, the flames on them went like this. And he said, yeah, um, put your hand right next to you where it's pointing. I did, and it's ice cold. So I was like, that's creepy. And it was about that time that I decided like, to go wake up my now ex-wife, who was sleeping upstairs at the time. And like, I, we went up there, and I still to this day do not know what the hell happened. But um, she just told me that it wasn't me like i i tapped her i kind of shook her woke her up i was gonna tell her about what happened and she just like jumped up and was just like screaming like who the hell are you where's my husband and i was just like um sure yeah yeah you got me all right um i'm actually right there and she's like no that's your friend clayton where's my husband and i was just like okay, this is a little bit weird. Um, I, I think that we're going to call it a night. So, but yeah, like my brother remembered her like waking up in the middle of the night and just like screaming really loud. So that's a reason why today you will never, ever catch me with a Ouija board. Because man, if I didn't believe before, I sure as hell believe now. So those are the the main things that happen in that house in Wenatchee and just a lot of creepy, creepy stuff. Like, like I said, everybody in my family has a story from that house. So it's not just me. All my friends have stories of it. And yeah, I, I actually had nightmares about that house for like the next 10 years. So that'll yeah, tell you something. Too. Yeah. Can't forget that. <laughs> what that? I said, forget that. I I, I'd stay at a hotel. I wouldn't even go in that place. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why when me and my ex moved out, we got our own apartment. I would come over for dinner. I would come over to visit. 
but we never spend the night anymore. I don't blame you one bit. You got more balls than I do, man, staying there, living there, especially three places. Yeah. Yeah. Three different funeral homes. The one in Farmington, New Mexico, the one in Wenatchee and the one in Everett. And I got to say the one in Everett was pretty comfortable for me. Like I always used to joke, like if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm the safest person in the world because, you know, there's like gates on either end with razor wire at the top. Oh, shit. So if somebody knocked on my door in the middle of the night, I knew something would be very, very wrong. Definitely. Yeah. But I, I never had, uh, aside from the experiences when my dad had the apartment up above, I didn't really have any experiences at that place. I know that um, my ex did when she spent the night in there alone. Um, she told me some things, but I was like, I, I never saw anything. I'm, even when I first moved in there, actually, I literally got drunk every single night for about a month <laughs> just so I could stay there. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some of my experiences. Yeah. Why was the um, funeral home in uh, Everett so like, so secured with the razor wire and shit like that? <clears throat> that was easy, actually, because it downtown Everett is... Well, it's the downtown of a big city, right? So you can kind of draw your own conclusions. But um, there would be like homeless people. They would sleep underneath the stairs next to my door. Um, you would always find weird shit out in the hallway. Just like, not in the hallway, but in the back, you know, once you get out of the gate. And it was so weird. Just like random things that were just left there, like homeless people and, you know, um, tweakers. So um that's why they put in that security system so yeah i felt very secure there um like i said though the first month i got drunk every single night just like asleep (laughs) wow yeah yeah man just the description you gave about the victorian woman everyone Mm -hmm. has the same description yeah that's horror movie shit man yeah yeah um now you want to hear something really horrible (laughs) yeah it it was it was fun for me it was fun for me when after we moved out and got our own apartment my older brother joey was still living there with my parents right because um he was away on his own for quite a while like 10 years and then he came back and what i would do is i would put like when he was there alone like before he came home from work i would put the pillows on his bed with a sheet over him to make it look like somebody is sleeping in the bed and i would put like a wig on like one of the pillows and there's other times like i we had the scarecrow for halloween and i left it in the shower one time so when he used the bathroom in the middle of night you know it's one of those things where he would have to kind of do a double take and uh, I got him so good. It scared the crap out of him. <laughs> God, I would have a heart attack. I would not be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, I have a schizo, the evil clown who comes on the show once in a while. And I 
middle of the night doing my business, I just like I hear his voice in my head, and that's even worse. <laughs> I was like, okay, finish up, finish up. I was going to hide in bed right now and see this go. <laughs> yeah, man. But um, a lot of stories. Like, like I told you, man, I, when it comes to paranormal, I could fill a book with my experiences. And Why don't you write a book? Like your memoirs or whatever? Or <clears throat> You know, I've thought about it. And I, I actually have written um quite a few things just on the side of um my experiences and um not just paranormal just life and the wrestling business things like that and there's some things that make good stories but it would probably make me or um more specifically my tag team partner danny nightmare um make us look really bad so <laughs> some of the stories I, I can't really share to um, the mass public. Oh, good boys would be boys. They can get over it. Yeah, yeah. But um, me and him have always joked around, though, that we were probably the reason why Canadians didn't like Americans. <laughs> Things that we did when we were on the road were pretty bad. <laughs> oh, they probably seem worse, eh? Yeah, yeah, but not much worse. I mean, God, I, I remember one time in Edmonton, we um were staying at this hotel that had a strip club in the lobby. So very convenient for us. Definitely. But I remember one time that um the manager came and knocked on the hotel door, and there's a few other people partying in there, and he said, you need to come get your friend. And I was like, I haven't seen him in a while. What happened? And he's like, yeah, he was um like throwing chairs and things off the balcony. And he was actually like hanging from the railing from the balcony. And so I had to go and I had to, you know, physically grab him and then um, carry him across the lobby, up the stairs, back to the room. And, um, Actually, I had to carry him like that a few times. <laughs> but I remember that the um, the manager came out and he was yelling at us. He was pissed. And then he just stopped and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How come neither one of you is wearing a shirt right now? <laughs> and I said, well, how come you've still got yours on? Come on, join the party, man. It's just like, just, just go, just go. <laughs> You invite, invite him to join the party. What's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. And um, man, there's times when we would um stop in little towns in the middle of Alberta or BC, and just like, like we were the party crew. Like we, we had so much fun. Um, one time when the bar closed down in Penticton, which is a resort town right on the lake, mm -hmm. and I basically stood up and said that we're all going to go skinny dipping and everybody did <laughs> a lot of people did and I, I remember the cops got called on us and um you know i was trying to stay in the water and i said i can't get out of the water and they're like just here here's a towel <laughs> so i was like yeah okay and i was like swaying as the cop talked to me and you know um 
And he's saying, you know that you're not allowed to have uh, open containers out here in public. And I looked down and I grabbed a, a beer that was unopened. I'm like, oh, this one's not open. Is this one okay? <laughs> he said, no, no, don't be a smart ass, buddy. You're going to get thrown in jail. <laughs> and when, when we left there, I remember walking across the parking lot. There was like five or six cops out there by their cars and were just glaring at me. And I was just like, hey, how's it going, guys? And I opened up the trunk and I got out a case of beer. <laughs> I, I just said, all right, have a good night, guys. So, yeah, we were major pains in the ass for a oh, lot dude. of people there. Spider Nate Webb would be perfect to hang out with you guys. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went to do a show one night and he's like, I got to get my shit ready. You're not even mm -hmm. wrestling, dude. What, what are you talking about? And I see him go to uh, the ice machine, and he's got like four or five buckets full, and he's filling up the tub. I'm like, what the hell? And I, I left. You know, I got ready to go do the show and everything. We did the show. We come back. He goes, it's time to party. He opens up the bathroom door. The fucking tub is full of nothing but beer and liquor. Oh, nice. I'm like, oh, spider, no, dude. He goes, come on, Max. I'm like, dude, I'm doing just one. I'm doing just one. That's all I can do. I'll try hey, to spider. keep it down. I'll try to keep it down, but I'm doing doing, I'm just doing just one. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, spider. Sounds like somebody I would have hung out with back in the day. Yeah, spiders is God, man, that dude, and he'll drink. He'll drink from the time we get to the venue till we get back to the hotel. Then he'll start drinking again. And if he runs out, he'll go and get more. I'm like, dude, how can you function? <laughs> you know, what, what's your uh, blood type? Vodka or, you know, or Bud Light? What, you know, or Miller yeah. Light? But he would oh, man. always, always, man, always. I've never seen that man without a beer in his hand, even when he was commentating our matches. He would, <laughs> That's he great. Would, yeah, man. Oh, he did a drop kick. That was that had to hurt. He was drinking. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, dude. You know what the bad thing is though is the age that I'm at right now. <clears throat> I've calmed down a lot over the years. A lot. Like people that knew me back in the day, they couldn't believe that I calmed down so much <laughs> or that I'm even still alive, honestly. And like these days, I have to plan everything out in advance. I'm like, okay, what am I going to be doing the next day? Do I have to get up early? Um, how am I getting home that night? If I'm at a hotel, it's like, all right, that doesn't really matter. I get as smash as I want. But like, how am I going to get home? You know? So I have to really think it out these days because, um, man, some of the, some of the stuff that we used to do back in the day, like I remember one time, um, I, I can share this one that a bunch of us guys, we drove from Wenatchee to Leavenworth, which is about 30, 40 minute drive out in the country. And we had the bright idea of we were going to hit, every single bar in every little town on the way back to Wenatchee. 
<laughs> and I remember, um, don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> but I, I shouldn't have been driving. And that was something that um, I had a problem with back then. I was like, well, shit, I got to get home somehow. Right. But so we were going from bar to bar. And I, I reached like full hippie mode. And, you know, hanging out the window, I was like, oh, my God, you guys, you got to see the stars. This is so awesome. And one of my friends is like, mailbox, what? <laughs> mailbox, oh, shit. what? And bam, hit the mailbox, shattered my mirror. And yeah, just <laughs> things like that were, were a pretty regular occurrence. Um, one of my favorite stories, though, is that we ended up we um, did a Canadian tour, came back through Montana, and we were going over the pass between Montana and Idaho, and the engine blew. So we are literally up on top of the mountain, no cell service. Oh, and shit. rather than being pissed about it, I remember I, I was just like, eh, all right, stick out my thumb. <laughs> and it, that day was an adventure adventure like we got picked up by these ladies that were like out for like this bachelorette party and so we were riding with them they're like sitting in our laps to the next town um they're feeding us beers and then um we got like the the tow the tow truck guy he gave us a ride back there and was just a cool person and we ended up in this little town out in the middle of idaho and um, they, they towed it to a shop, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to be able to do anything for the next couple of days on this. So I looked at Danny. I'm like, well, let's go get drunk. <laughs> we got nothing else to do. <laughs> and we ended up um, just getting hammered. And then we decided to walk around town. And we found th this is a thing that we did quite a bit. Drunken stupidity. <laughs> we found a ball pit like what you'd have at mcdonald's and we're like oh sweet ball pit so we both like dove into it and we're messing around and then this lady comes outside and she's yelling at us and i get out and i am like oh don't worry about us we're just big drunk idiots you know my car broke down and everything and she was like wow you poor things come on in so <laughs> yeah so wow. she ran like a um like a daycare center so it's funny like um we're all drunk like sitting in these tiny tiny chairs like <laughs> like reading kids books and stuff and laughing our asses off wow. and she was like um hey are you guys hungry what would you rather have subway or mcdonald's and she went and bought us lunch she let us stay with her like it was a cool experience that came out of something horrible, you know, the car breaking down on a mountain pass. Right. So it, it turned out great though. And happened for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, and, and yeah, to this day, he's still my best friend and we've got so many stories from the road, man. So many crazy stories. Like, we, um, we should have both hmm? of you on at some point. Yeah, actually, that would be awesome. We were called the Triple A, 
the all American ass kickers up in Canada. And we, we did pretty good. Like at one point I had the, um, the heavyweight title. He had like a, um, like a BC title. And like, um, we also held the tag championships at one time up there. So, um, yeah, we did a lot and people hated us so much that they started to like us because we were entertaining. We were irritating and they could tell we were just having fun when we went out there and we would do stupid things every single time we would change it up. Like one time I had him wheel me out in a wheelchair and you know, it, it was supposed to be a main event and everybody's like, Oh my God, I guess this isn't happening. And, you know, he did the round and then I had the mic. I'm like, you know what? I have something that I've got to say. And I just like jumped out of the wheelchair. And I was like, I got all of you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I love that. Both of you on sometimes real soon. Oh man. That would be amazing. If you did, I'm yeah. sure that he would be down for it too. I geez, I had you on three times already, you know, let's say maybe four. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So, so there, go ahead. Oh, I just said there's a lot of stories that we could tell. Oh, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna ask what's coming up with you in your wrestling. Any dates, any events coming up? <clears throat> yeah, I am gonna be making some appearances. Um, one is up in Victorville, kind of on the way to Vegas, and the 27th i believe and then the 28th um august by the way um the 28th i'm gonna be um in compton doing a, a show for a company called compton mania and then two weeks from now i um i told the promoter i'm gonna be at um at his show occw in orange county i don't know what what I can do um, if I am ready to wrestle yet. But he said that um, he'll find something for me to do. So as far as wrestling goes, I got that. And um, just a lot of different things, a lot of different movies coming up. Um, I'm, I'm filming one right now, or next week anyways, I'm filming one next week. And I'm, I still have to go through the script. And it's Whoops. normally... A lot of them are just like, you know, a few pages of dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. And this one is like one of the main people. So there's a lot of dialogue that I have to try to memorize by next now, week. Excuse me. Did you say OVW? No, no, not OVW. Um, OCCW. I was going to say OVW. I was like, oh, my God, dude, tell me the date and I'll come up there because it's only two hours <laughs> away from me. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I... That would be cool if I could work at OVB, OVW one of these days. But um, it's kind of crazy. I took so much time off from the wrestling business. And then I came back last year. And I literally lasted one year before my knee injury. So I'm um, definitely rehabbing it. And hopefully I have a lot more time left in me. There's so much I, I can still do. I hear you on that. I've been trying to retire since the year 2000. Really? 
And I, uh, you know, I, I announce it, at, you know, it's time for me to hang up my boots. And next thing I know, I get 12 me promoters. Mex, come on. Come on, man. You got one more in you. I'm like, bro, I'm done. And I'll give you such and such amount. I'm like, dude, how much? Yeah. And they tell <laughs> me, I'm like, where do I meet you? You know, send me my, e you know, here's my email. Send me my flight and all. And they're like, all right, all right. And, you know, they're already right on it right then and there. And I'm like, oh, nice. Geez, you know, and here, you know, I was told, the doctors told me, you're done. You can't do anymore. We can't even believe how you function as of now. And this was I know how that is. And this is in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I told the promoters here in uh, Kentucky, like, man, I'm done. Like, oh, man, she's been saying that since the year 2000. And my wife's <laughs> like, no, he's, he's done, doctor's orders. And he's like, well, what's going on? And I told him, you know, needing my hip replaced. I got deteriorating disc in the lower part of my back. I got a mild type of scoliosis. Needing my right rotary cup, right elbow fixed. I got tendonitis in both arms. Going death in the right ear. Got cataracts in both eyes. C-scan shows that I, there's brain damage. Multiple con concussions that they couldn't even count. They lost count. And I that, know that is. And I suffered strokes. And I'm like, oh, man. what? And they're like, you don't remember? I'm like, when? When did I have, when did this happen? You know, and they're like, what? You know, it shows. I'm like, I feel fine. And they're like, well, you suffered a few and really the brain damage is really phenomenal that you can actually function the way you are as of now. And I'm like, wow. And the promoter's like, well, sorry about that. Really sorry to hear about that. But we're not going to let you retire. And I'm like, yep what you know my wife's getting ready to pull her earrings out you know and <laughs> go to town on these guys and he's like as much as experience you got what 30 years or so i'm like yeah he goes become a manager yeah I'm like oh man it's not the same as getting in that ring and going ape shit you know yeah and yeah like just try it so me and my wife discussed it and, you know, me and my wife kept on debating on it. And then uh, this year, uh, in December, I told him, I said, so when's your first show coming up next year? And he said, yeah, it's the first Saturday of January, Livermore, Kentucky. I'm like, okay. He goes, tell me you're coming back. Tell me you're coming back to the group. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming out. And he goes, awesome he goes that's awesome so i'm you know i go out there and i'm i've been with the group ever since then and they're you know you know i've been in the business 31 30 some years now 31 years and that's been a lot man and and you know especially doing hardcore one of mm -hmm. my goals was to forever to before i ended my career is to wrestle man man pondo 
Oh yeah, I think he's on a show around here coming up pretty soon. That man is just crazy. He had me booked for a a show in uh, Corn Cornwell or Colwell or something like that, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and uh, I took my one of my boys with me to wrestle with and. I told him, you know, I was ribbing him. I like, son. He goes, yeah. I said, uh, they're going to change the card. He goes, okay. I said, you're wrestling Pondo. He goes, why? <laughs> what did I do to have to wrestle Man Man Pondo? I said, he wants to wrestle you. He goes, why? What did I do? What did I say to, to upset him? You know, I just kept on ribbing him until it was, bell you know till bell time and i was like now nah, you're working me he goes <laughs> Damn, you know he was scared shitless to wrestle pondo and i'm like dude you have no clue pondo's the easiest guy to work with and um, very cool but like i told pondo i said before i die one of my one of my goals is to wrestle the icon man man pondo very cool. Talk to him. He goes, let me know. And I'll be there. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> nice. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a drug, dude. It's a drug. You can't not get it out of your system. It's like the mafia. You know, exactly. every time that you try to get out, you get pulled back in. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, like I said, I've been trying to retire since the year 2000 and I mean, I still got promoters calling me, you know, Mex got to show, you know, I had my hip replacement done in January, uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And I just got home and my phone connected to the internet and I got a ping on my phone. So I checked and I looked and I'm laughing. My wife's like, what's going on? I'm like, <laughs> I said, the promoter out of Somerset wants to know if I could wrestle for him September the 1st or the 2nd. She goes, you're done. Let him know you're retired. I'm like, all right. So I call him. And I said, Tomahawk, brother, I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I could, but I can't. He goes, what's going on? I'm like, I literally just stepped home, stepped into my house from the hospital. He goes, what happened, bro? You sick? I said, no, I had a hip replacement. He goes, oh, shit. I'm sorry. Do you think you'll be ready by September the 2nd? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I I just I, I couldn't help but laugh about it, you know. My wife's like, "Is he serious? Are you give me that phone?" I'm like, "Babe, calm down." I mean, even though she's white, I swear to God that woman was a Latina in a past life, man. Because <laughs> oh, that temper of hers. Oh, that's great, man. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I Spider would have been one of your favorite people to drink with brother. I'm telling you the way you were talking about the way you guys used to be that spider. Now still nice. uh, spider. You got to slow down, bro. You got to slow. Nah, I'm all right. You know, we went to take him home from uh we uh, did a, a memory of a puppet, the psycho dwarf. We when he passed, we went and did a I celebration. Heard the name. Yeah. 
and we went and celebrated in uh, Chicago. And um, Spider went with us. We drove all the way there. The guys picked me up here in, uh, from Ohio, and then we went to Indiana and picked up uh, Spider. And then we went to Chicago and uh, saying Spider-Man drinking. As soon as we get to the, the place we're staying at, and start drinking, I'm like, dang. He goes, I better have a refrigerator in my, my room. <laughs> God. See, and, one thing that I have never done, though, I mean, I, I did it once or twice back in the day. I'll never drink before a match because, you know, I've seen that go wrong so many times. So, I mean, yeah, afterwards, hell yeah. But uh, well, I'll never drink before a match. No. There's actually a... Hmm? The way Puppet, when I first got with Puppet, first thing he told me, he goes, do you drink? Uh, no, sir. You're going to learn today. <laughs> and three beers, and I was shit-faced. That was a, <laughs> that was like 15 years ago. Now, I'm, you know, I don't get in the ring unless I got like six beers in me. <laughs> and that's to get me numb so I don't feel what I'm what I'm going to go through you know I mean Let's I've see. been power power bombed on a bed of barbed wire a bed of mouse traps uh, we've done you know staple guns to the groin to the tongue uh, I crucified puppet in his hands you know mm -hmm. and I mean we just went all out you know and like I I told uh, Vic one time, he goes, what's the craziest match you ever did? I said, well, I didn't do it, but I wanted to do it. And that was a Viper pit match. And oh, that Jesus. was put in each corner, a box with a hole in it and get Western Diamondback rattlesnakes. And whoever got bit first lost. Oh, Jesus. And puppets <laughs> like, I ain't doing that shit. He goes, you're fucking crazy. He goes, that's why you're mad, Mex. He goes, you're mad, dude. He goes, ain't no way in hell I'm going to get bit by a rattlesnake. No way. I think one of my favorite ones I came up with, and this is before I um, retired back in 2014, <laughs> that um, I came up with what I called the four corners of beer match. <clears throat> and it's going to be that, um, like I said, I, I don't drink before matches. But this was a fun idea for a gimmick. And basically, you have to knock your opponent down, go to all four corners, and chug a beer at each one. And I would have it, you know, like, drink one, get cut off. Then another guy, you know, drink one, drink two, cut them off. You know, and you, you have to do all It'll four. It'll take its toe on you, definitely. <laughs> Well, what was funny is that because I had, I got injured that I wasn't able to do that match. So what they did instead was have a chugging contest, which was um, America versus Canada. And one of my favorite opponents is um, the cowboy from hell on Holy Minion. And he agreed to do this with me. And, you know, I, on purpose, you know, I was drinking slower slower and then you know when he finished you know i'm still trying to finish mine you know standing right behind me giving me crap and as soon as i finish i smash the pitcher against his head 
And um, then when he when he went after me, I grabbed my crutches. And I said, "No, I'm crippled. I'm crippled. You can't hit me." <laughs> but I what mean, was funny? The thing he had to do with, a match after with Puppet. Puppet was doing a radio uh, broadcasting to promote our show. And they're like, well, what's going to be your main event? We got to hear something good. You know, something we never heard of. And Puppet's like, okay. He goes, uh, we're going to do a $21 staple gun match. Oh, Jesus. And we're, I'm, I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, and then Puppet's like, okay. The first person that staples $21 to their opponent wins. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. I would not be right off the bat. The Spider announces it and he goes, okay, we're going to need, we're going to need money from you fans. And I mean, they, we could not see the canvas. It was all money. That'd be a good and day. So, you know, we would just grab money and, you know, I stapled it to his forehead. He stapled it to my groin. I stapled, you know, and it wasn't just $1 bills. It was like 20s and 50s. He stapled, wow. a, he stapled a $100 bill to my crotch. Hope he kept it. And I would have. Oh, definitely. I, you see me pull it off and I slide it in my knee pad. I'm like, motherfucker, I earned that, you know. And yeah, I ended no up kidding. winning the match. <sighs> And I got all the money and I ended up with like 290 some dollars and just bit the money that was thrown in there in the ring. Nice. And plus I got my pay and then puppet's like, well, since you won and you got all that money, you buy breakfast in the morning. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know? So we went to McDonald's. I said, dollar menu, you know, so <laughs> I, they weren't going to get me, you know, like they thought they were. Yeah, but you <laughs> nice. know, like I said, you know, we we done some crazy shit ourselves. You know, it was crazy, but it was compact size. You know, it's all part of the business, right, Vic? That's right, definitely. And, so, what, I mean, where can people awesome. find you online? We blew up the sixty-minute time limit, guys. I mean, like over fifteen minutes, but oh well, screw it. I mean, oh no way. Yeah, it's like seventy-five minutes in. <laughs> wow I shit know. i can keep going when you're having fun bro <laughs> I know. We that's gotta... right that's uh, right so where can people find you online um mainly facebook uh ronnie angel on facebook and i i do that a lot more than instagram i i have an instagram and i know that um people message me from time to time on there and I don't check it nearly as much as Facebook. So yeah, Facebook is the best way for people to reach me. And um, yeah, I'm always looking for more things to do. Um, that, that's what's kind of cool though, is that for me, it's not just wrestling. I also have, you know, like the, the acting. I have the horror community, which I do a lot of work in. Um, the writing just so... I'm I'm not just uh, limited just to wrestling, so it keeps me busy. That's for sure. Maybe too busy. Oh yeah, I mean that's job security right there. You know, if you can't wrestle, you know, you have other things you do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 
yeah, I'm always doing something. So I can put my kids out. I can keep the recording going if you guys want to go back and forth still. Um, yeah, maybe for a couple more minutes. But yeah, I totally understand if you wanted to um, cut the show. No, I do. I'll, I'll keep it going. I'll keep it going. I just have to put my kid down. Okay. I said, go, go You guys go nuts. I mean, I'll split this off in two parts. You know, I don't care. <laughs> you guys have some crazy stories. I just got to put my kid down. So I'll be back in a couple minutes. Okay. Uh, right, uh, I'll, go ahead, guys. I got to tell you, um, one of my worst injuries. Are you still there? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. One of one of the worst injuries I ever had. <clears throat> and I, I don't do hardcore very much. Um, usually when I did, it was like, um, you know, ECW style, mm-hmm. but um, never death matches or anything. I, I've been in on cards with a lot of death matches, but um, probably the worst one I ever had, though, was I was facing a guy up in BC, and it was a one of the hardcore matches. And I, I used to do a spot. I love doing it where they would put me in a garbage can put me upside down in the garbage can and then pick it back up when the, with the can over me and, um, you know, hit it with chairs, you know, hit it with different things. And, um, people loved it. People love to go nuts with over that one. But I, I remember having it over my head one time and my opponent was like, I, I all I could see is my feet. Right? right. So he said, um, okay, post. Okay. I know I'm going to hit a post turns me around post okay i'm gonna hit another post and then he turns me around and says wall and he starts walking me walking me is speeding up speeding up and then he throws me and i don't know where the wall is i can't see anything so i'm like oh crap where's the wall so when he throws me i tense up like this <clears throat> and the the can actually like rockets off of me because he was I was going fast right and it hit the wall and it bounced back into my face oh. metal garbage can so I remember I sat down in the front row and like you know all the people cleared out of that area and I'm like oh god I'm gonna have a black eye and I went like this I was like no actually you're bleeding so i I still remember that when i got backstage um gangrel was on the show with us um yeah awesome guy by the way yeah he's a great guy my wife had a my wife has a fetish about uh vampires oh cool and i told him about he goes oh really (laughs) and i seen his fang like dude you gotta go take a picture with my wife and Take it with, you know, bend her, bend her back like you're going to bite her neck. I said, dude, it's going to make her panties wet. I guarantee it. And he, buzzed, he busted out laughing. I'm like, no, do it, dude. Like, no, I can't do that to your wife. I said, dude, I'm telling you to. Uh, I could tell the guy, you know, yeah, my old lady got bit by gang ground, dude. You know, no, no, I can't do that to you, guy. But uh, You know what? He is one of my favorite. He is. Name great guys. guy. Great guy. But. I remember this show though. I, you know, I felt I was bleeding and I did, um, 
finish to the match is basically, you know, my opponent went up top and I did like the Ric Flair mm-hmm. and threw him down on um on the metal garbage can, crushed it, you know, one, two, three. But when I walked backstage, Gangrel was going over his match and he turned and he saw me and his reaction was just like, oh, shit. And I was like, is it that bad? And he said, yeah. Do you think I need to go to the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> just a, a big gash that went from here down through my eyebrow. And thank God is stopped right above my eyelid. So wow. I, I could have lost an eye doing that. And yeah. um, my, my valet at the time, Ronnie, or Rhonda Angel, <laughs> she took me to the hospital and I was like, don't you dare leave me. <laughs> so I was holding her hand while they're trying to stitch me up. It hurt like hell. And, um, but even after that, I met up with all the guys at the nightclub and basically used it for sympathy. So it worked out in my favor, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that was probably the worst one I ever had. I, I know that um, my tag partner, Danny, um, he had one of the worst ones I've ever seen where we were, it was in November up in BC and he would always joke around about things on our drive up, like a five hour drive. And he was saying, wouldn't that be funny if somebody got thrown into the lake in November? It's, oh. it's literally, there's, there's the businesses, there's a bar right here, there's a road, there's a sidewalk, and then there's a dock going out over the lake. So we're literally across the street from the dock. So he's joking around about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's insane, dude. You'd be stupid to do that. So <laughs> we we um start to do our match, or I mean we're talking it over in the in the back, and Danny has to speak up and say, Wow, wouldn't that be the greatest idea ever if one of us got like thrown into the lake and the promoter turns around and says, you know what? That's a great idea. (laughs) You're going into the lake. So they, the entire bar spilled out, you know, they were fighting across the street. Cops got called. They (laughs) ended up on the dock and him and the other guy, they were um, doing, going to do like the power bomb spot. Right. Uh-huh. So he's going to pick him up and powerbomb him into the lake off the dock. Uh, must have been like a 10-foot drop. But, you know, did the back body drop instead. Right. So he flew off the dock into the lake. And I I was changing. I, I didn't really see a lot of this. I saw, like, leading up to it. I saw them brawl across the street and everything. And then I started doing something else. So I want to the guys came up to me and said hey where's your tag partner at i was like well he should have been out they're like no we haven't seen him since he went off the dock so i panicked i'm like oh shit like you know not just my tag partner but my best friend you know i'm just like holy shit so i run out on the dock i'm like looking everywhere for him i don't see him i'm i'm really worried and nobody sees him and i um 
went back to my car and found him in the in the back seat. He's like covering up with everything that he can, like <laughs> towels, clothes, blankets. He's covering up with everything and he's shaking like crazy. And he like turned blue and he was saying that um he thinks that he's having a heart attack, that she he could go to the hospital. And I'm just looking at him like, dude, that was some of the dumbest shit. I that you literally could have died doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean it was Hey, it was innovative. I've never hey, seen anything like that. That's all that matters to him. The crowd pop. That's all that matters to them. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. These guys up there, man they they took hardcore to a to a new level, and um, you know, like one of the guys got like um, they're fighting on top of a car, broke out the windows, you know, got slammed on the hood. Um, I remember the guy who I was wrestling um one of my favorite people in the world it goes by the name of slave, but, um, we were having another match one time and it was a ladder match. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered that there were things in that match that he wanted to take that made me cringe. Like one of them was just like, you know, having the ladder between two chairs is just like, all right, um, pick me up. And, um, drop me on it like power bomb and i was just like you've got to be freaking kidding me or um another one that he wanted to do was have he's gonna run across the ring and do a dive and like in midair while he's doing it i grab the garbage can i hold it like this so he hits the garbage can and i step back and i let go so falls all the ways to the floor you know on this metal garbage can and i'm just like jesus christ like (laughs) i would never do something like that one of the um, craziest one of the craziest things me and my boss did uh we wrestled in uh jackson indiana no gary indiana and we were wrestling at this one club and i wrestled in indiana uh we wrestled and uh, something told me I looked up and there's a balcony above the ring and I'm like huh and puppet's like what I said how you feel about me coming off there he goes you got the balls to okay I do so uh, we're out there we're wrestling and I'm up and you know I'll get on the top rope and I go like this, and my arms hit the, the bottom of the balcony. Mm-hmm. And I look, and everybody's like, no way. So I start climbing up in the balcony. I get up there. I'm on the rail. I stand up, and all I hear is, I look. The spotlights are right on my shoulders. Sure. So I'm like, and I look up and I'm like, holy shit, I'm almost 20 feet in the air. And I'm a midget. I'm four nine. Mm -hmm. So I'm there and I'm like, oh shit. Now I hear them say, you know, jump, jump, jump. I'm like, and then they're like, I hear people, he ain't going to jump. He ain't going to jump. I'm like, fuck, I'm up here already. 
look down a puppet. I mean, puppets like this, you know, looking with the spotlights on out on the ring. He can't even see me up there. So he's going like this, trying to see where I'm at. And I, I'm like, Yeah. God help me. And I jump and I throw a flying elbow, leaping elbow at him. And Puppet just like, you know, trying to see. And he said, like, three feet before him, all he sees is me going, ah, boom. And I hit him with an elbow in the head. And he hits and he does a 360 backwards. Oh, nice. Wow. And the crowd. You know, I landed in the ring and the crowd just started he's totally just going ape shit, selling, you know, I got the holy shit chant. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I got it, you know. And this one guy comes in, super kicks me right out of the ring. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they grab me, throw me back in, and puppet crawls and lays down for the one, you know, throws his arm over me for the one, two, three. But puppet's like, God damn, you're crazy, Max. I didn't <laughs> think you had the balls to do it. So I got to ask you. Um, yeah. Have, have you ever run across a guy named Little Nasty Boy? That's my brother. He was on. Oh, yeah. So recently. He was just on last week. Just on. Oh, God. You know what is funny? Little Nasty. He was there when I first started in Portland. He was there for my very first match so yeah I've, I've known him for a long time yeah me, Yo, and um, him, me and him wrestled uh in us i think it was spokane washington and, oh uh, yeah i used to live right like, there puppet's like you're gonna wrestle him I said, wrestle who i'm not wrestling he goes nah because you're gonna wrestle nasty boy i'm like oh shit and back then that man was uh perfect specimen uh he was ripped yeah i mean he he was like 175 and he was yeah. built like a brick shit house and i'm yeah. going, oh my god i'm gonna get ate alive by this guy this guy's gonna eat me up alive literally you know and i never worked him before he's never worked me before he was thinking the same thing as me. He's like, oh, my God, this guy's going to fucking kill me. This guy's going to eat me alive, you know. And we went out there and we just we didn't even talk. We just went out there and we went by Phil. And I got we got done. I went up to the dressing room and the promoter pup is sitting there. And he's like this. And I'm like, what's going on, pup? And he looks up at me and he's got tears running down his face. I'm like what's going on, man? You all right? He goes, what the hell was that? I'm like, you wanted me to wrestle nasty boy. Did you not? That's what I did. He goes, you don't even do that shit with me. He goes that he goes, I can't complain one bit about um, that match. That match was the most perfect match I've ever seen in my whole entire fucking life. Oh, nasty he, was always good, man. Always. Oh, me and him, me and him. That like he's my brother. I, you know, we call each other all the time. All the time. I've been trying since March to get this guy on on this podcast. 
well, you know, so I got sick. It's like, <laughs> and uh, the wave. Tell him you know, if, every if you time, talk to him. Every tell single him I said time. Hi. Every single time we try to get him on, something happened. You know. Uh, yeah, that's life. And, you know, it happens. Like, so it it took about like three or four months to finally get him on, and we got him on just last week. And I told him, I said, I want you to be the very first midget that we have on here on the podcast. He goes, anytime, brother. But every time, you know, something came up, you know, I mean, it was like uh, Vic's anniversary, uh, my uh, Cinco de Mayo, uh, I mean, just every little thing. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. He goes, anytime, bro. Hey, don't worry about it anytime. And then we finally got him on. And I'm like, damn, man, I'm so sorry, bro, that it took us this long. He goes, no worries. No worries, brother. He goes, we're doing all right, you know, but yeah, nasty boy. Yeah, that me and him, I think the only thing we never done is wear each other's underwear, to be honest with you. I think that's it. But yeah, that guy's my, I love that guy to death. That is my true brother. When you talk to him again, just tell him that uh, Ronnie Angel says hi. Oh, I will. Matter of fact, I'll I'll probably message him after this and let him know about it. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, hey, guys, small, I need to get world. going here pretty soon. Yes, definitely. This has to be the longest, oh, not the longest podcast I've ever done. Close. No, your longest is with me, the interview I did. <laughs> oh, there's it? a lot to talk Two about. Two and a half there's hours, still. three hours long? Yeah, that was, oh, geez, that was just a pain in the ass. <laughs> Thanks, Max. I appreciate that one. I appreciate <laughs> that one. Oh, but, man. But we appreciate your time today, Ronnie. Thank you Anytime. very much. We're definitely going to get you back on and talk some crazy stories about the good old definitely. days. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> I, I got to plug this. Um, the shirt Uh-oh. that I'm wearing right now is the show that I shot. It was um, called Horror on Location. So it, it should be coming out pretty soon. But um, I'm the host of it, and I'm taking people to all the different um filming locations for all the horror movies here in LA and yeah I just wanted to um promote that it should be coming out pretty soon cool if you ever need a midget in the horror movie give me a shout brother actually it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because oh shit I um, was just joking <laughs> me me and Danny have been working on a movie like that and um the thing about it is that um, the movie itself is about a this truck that breaks down, right? It's um, an all-girl band, kind of like Josie and the Pussycats, mm-hmm. and out in the middle of the woods. And then the killer, at first you see like this big hulking shadow, but then when the camera pulls back, he's about this <laughs> tall. <laughs> and so... It is very cartoony, very stupid. Um, you know, he ended up killing the girls. Um, and But the real joke is not that movie. Because that's only going to be an hour long, if that. But attached to it is the making of it. And that's where the joke is. Like, everything that happens there, like, the... um. The director, he wants to make something like really artsy, 
really classy type of a slasher movie, right? But uh, the producer is um, coked out of his mind. And he's the one who changes everything. And um, I had an idea for um, how the midget got put on this is he wandered into the wrong room and says, um, hey, guys, I was just actually looking for a parking validation. And the producer sees him and is like, holy shit, dude, I got a party with you. It, you're hired. He's hired. He's hired. He's our new killer. So, and then the best part is he walks out of the room, looks at the camera, the documentary crew, and says, I guess I got a part for something. I don't know what it is. And <laughs> as he walks out of the room, he's going to walk past I, I want to get these guys in it. Kane Hodder, who played Jason on a lot of the Friday 13th movies. Yep. And maybe one of the guys that played Leatherface are sitting there in the lobby and they just kind of look at each other like, what the fuck? <laughs> so the entire making of the mockumentary, that's where the joke is. That is and, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll have to tell you guys more about it a little bit later. But um, yeah, that's one of the things I'm working on. Well, that, like um, I said, if you you need a midget, keep me in mind. I, I mean, I'm waiting for them to make a movie of Machete, and that uh -huh. he has a son. Oh, and I'm oh like, yeah, dude, I'm in. Oh man, I got the part. As soon as I thought of that, I'm like, dude, I am it. I am the his son. I have to be dad. You know? <laughs> you know what um there's a there's a part on what i wrote too um it's pretty hilarious where um you know the little guy is on the set and he comes up to the director with a concern like i i don't get this why are you having me do this particular thing and then the producer you don't see him but he swivels around in his chair and he's wearing a beer helmet <laughs> and he's coked out of his mind. And he says, you know why you're doing it? Cause it's fucking funny. That's why. <laughs> so this guy just ruins their entire production and completely takes it over. And it becomes like this very exploitative movie that um, nobody wants to see basically. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. That's awesome. That's great. Well, yeah. Ronnie, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. We'll get you back on soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This has been a blast. This has been great. Next. Thank you very much. Anytime, brother. Anytime. All right. Thank Next you very much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Till next time, Killing the Business Worldwide's out. See everyone later. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you.